Welcome to the Highview Podcast, a gospel-centered conversation exploring theology, culture, and life in the local church. I'm your host, Tyler Sweat, the pastor of Connection and Community at Highview Church, and I'm here today with two of uh, my favorite people to quarantine with, Josh Hildebrandt and Chad Williams. How you guys doing? Good. Great. Yeah. Nice and quarantined and uh, stuck in the house. Safely and socially distanced. Yeah. This is this is a, a um, an, an introvert's you know dream come true. Yeah, and an extrovert's nightmare. Exactly. Amen. Uh, it's been terrible, guys. I mean, we're all at home right now. I haven't seen you guys in days. It's rough. It's it's rough. It's rough. Um, we're we're praying for all of our church members and all of our other listeners around the globe as you're figuring out how to navigate these difficult waters uh, that we're all trying to figure out uh, called COVID-19. Um, but before we get into all that, uh, guys, we, uh, we're jumping back into the podcast here and into our series of uh, covering our core commitments here at Ivy Church. And today we're going to be talking about commitment number eight, loving our community. And we describe that by saying that we live intentionally for the good of our neighbor. Uh, now, for Highview Church, um, now you guys, you know, have been here since the beginning, uh, since the the inception of this church, and Highview has changed and grown quite a lot since that time. Uh, so, I want you guys to kind of describe the the unique um, placement that we have here in the West Georgia area. Um, how? Why is it somewhat difficult to define? Who's high, who Highview's community is. Yeah, a uh, big part of that is um, Highview is a regional church in many respects. So I believe the last time I, I looked, I believe we have members that reside in six counties, maybe, maybe seven. Um, so if you were to drive from one the, the furthest member away in one direction to the furthest member away in the opposite direction, uh, you'd be driving, you know, over an hour. So, um, it's, uh, it, it is hard. It, it is hard to, um, in some respects, clearly define for everyone what your community is. Mm. Uh, and so, it, but, but I think it's, what it does do is it puts an emphasis on, the community they live in, not necessarily the, the community the church is in only. So I think it's both. And I think that we have to think about because our church is regionally pretty diverse and spread out um, in a lot of respects, we have to think about community in two, two ways, kind of in two, two different uh, thought processes. One, we think about the community the church is planted in, which is the Vildorica community. And then two, we have to think more broadly about where all of our members live and their communities. So really, we're talking about it in two ways. We're talking about uh, community in terms of where the church is and where it's physically located and also where our members are. Yeah, it makes me think of the, the passage of Scripture where, uh, you know, the, they're asking Jesus this question where they're trying to figure out, you know, who— who am I supposed to love? Who, who am I supposed to live for? Uh, and and they ask the question, who is my who is my neighbor? Um, you know, I think we we now more than ever could ask that same question because we are so um, we're so connected 
and yet we're we're more disconnected than ever before, just as a society in general. Um, we, you know, might say today that perhaps we feel in closer community to people online than we do uh, people next door. So it's kind of a it's kind of a unique situation that we we try to speak into as a local church. And then you know we certainly feel that all the time as we're trying to to serve our community as a church well. Uh, like you said, uh, Chad, we've got people that are residents of uh, cities that are you know pretty far apart from one another. And so how does how does the local church then like how do we impact all of these areas? what are what are some of the means that we use? to actually love our community well, even though that's sometimes hard to define? Yeah, I, I think it is a, a difficult thing now um, to, to answer that question, who is my neighbor, because technology has changed so much of the reality of how we think about that. And it's just like you said, Tyler, you know, in some ways, um, the, the people that I'm the most connected to may not be the people that are the closest to me geographically. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, and so that that answering that neighbor question uh, is, is way different now than it was 50 years ago, you know, because uh, technology just allows us to, to have a, a broader reach. I think one of the things that that we strive to do at Highview that's that's important is to and it's it's in that statement that that word intentional, um, you know, mm-hmm. to live our lives in an intentional way uh, for the good of our neighbor, um, you know, if if we're not intentional about it, what happens is we end up becoming like the, um, you know, just kind of that American dream where you pull into your garage, you've got your house, you shut the garage, and a good neighbor is a neighbor that minds their own business. But if you're intentional about getting to know your neighbor, if you're intentional about learning, you know, some of the needs that are in your community, uh, that's the first step of um, of loving your community well. Um, one of the things we talked about early on at Highview was not wanting to be kind of the invisible church, but wanting to be mm-hmm. a church that was there in the community, um, that was serving the community. And that's still something that we strive for. Um, so I think the first thing is just to make your presence known um, and to uh, to make uh, yourself aware of what the needs are in your community. That's the first step. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's let's go a little bit further uh, into that word uh, intentionality. Uh, I mean, that's one of the kind of a Christian buzzword of sorts for the last you know uh, the last little while. Churches on every corner are talking about how they're uh, intentional or living intentionally. So how would we define that? How would we describe what it means for us as a local church or as local church members? Uh, how would we define living intentionally on the personal level? Uh, I think that when when I think about intentionality in this regard, uh, in terms of community and how we love our community, I think um, there's a missional aspect and there's a strategic aspect. The missional aspect is living in light of the mission. So understanding that um, you have been put on the planet to make disciples of Jesus um, and to bear witness to his authority and his rule and reign as, as king over all things, wherever you are. And so um, the, the strategic part is, how do, what do I need to do, or what should I do, or what would be best, or what would be most fruitful for me to do in order to fulfill the mission that I have? 
So those two things, um, one is more big picture. This is why I'm on the planet. So when I say missional, I mean living with purpose. And then the second aspect is the actual doing and the actual strategizing of, okay, what, what would be the best thing for me to do right now? And of course, we're wrestling with this on a massive level um, with the current crisis we're dealing with, this global pandemic. Um, now, um, strategically, because we're trying to stay faithful to the mission, which, by the way, never changes, um, circumstances and where you're at and what's going on in the world and who your neighbor is dramatically changes the strategy, dramatically. Mm -hmm. And so now we're thinking about things we have never thought about in terms of loving our neighbor, probably. Um, why? Because we're trying to stay true to the mission. The mission never changes. And now we have to think through this opportunity strategically. So um, it's just uh, when I think of intentional, I, I think of in terms of the church and in terms of um, what we do as a church, I think in terms of missional and strategic, uh, staying true to the mission and then being very thoughtful in how we pursue loving our neighbor in light of the mission. Right. Yeah. Amen. When, when I'm, um, you know, adding to that, when I think of intentional as it relates to then to the personal level, because Chad mentioned this, you know, uh, earlier on, when we think of uh, loving our uh, neighbors well, it's both in the, the sense of us as a church and then also individually, you know, as we scatter to our various homes. But I think of it broken down into time, treasure and talents. So, um, you know, for me personally, if, if I have maxed myself out so that all of my treasures or all of, you know, the money I make is spent on me, I don't have any room to love my neighbor. If I have taken up every bit of my time to my own personal, you know, life goals and whatever else, my enjoyments, my hobbies, I don't have any time to give to my neighbor. If all of my talents are kind of just used for my own enjoyment and I'm not, you know, giving myself uh, away uh, to, to you know, with the gifts that God has given me, then same thing. I don't have time for my neighbor. So I think it's making room in your schedule, making room in your life uh, to love your neighbor. Because if you if you don't intentionally choose to put some margin in there, um, selfishness kind of wins the day and you just fill everything up. Um, so I, I think loving your neighbor and being intentional means you think about it beforehand. You have to be proactive in how you set your life up. Um, and I haven't, you know, I, I know we don't always do well with that. I haven't always done well with that. There's been many times where a need has popped up and I really wanted to love my neighbor well, but my life was structured in such a way where either I either couldn't help financially or I was just too tied up with my time and other places. And it, it happens before the need arises, me structuring my life in a way where I have something to give. And I think you know, that's where loving your neighbor starts before the actual need pops up. Absolutely. And uh, spoiler warning for the next commitment of Highview Church uh, that we talk about this idea of joyful generosity or being joyfully generous. And that's where we talk about that we love to give of our times and our time and talents and treasures. Um, and you're absolutely right. That ties in directly to this idea of what it means to to love our neighbors well and to live intentionally, the way I think about that word is um, kind of where your life is pointing. Where are you leaning with all those resources? Of course, we talk about you know leaning into the mission that God has for us, uh, but basically it's just kind of aiming your life away from yourself in every capacity. 
right. aiming aiming your heart toward God and toward others, aiming your mind toward God and toward others, aiming right. your possessions toward God and toward others. So uh, that's a really it's a really good. Yeah, I think way there's think a that. big difference. You know, to jump in for a second, I think there's a big difference between intentions and intentionality. Like I think a yeah. lot of us sometimes feel like we love our neighbors well because we have intentions to do that. Like mm-hmm. I don't wish harm on any of my neighbors. I intend for them all to to have what they need and to be helped. And so I think we can judge ourselves based off of our intentions rather than us being intentional to actually do something. And you know, so uh, I think it's important to to kind of draw that distinction. Like loving your neighbor well starts before the actual need arises by being intentional with how you structure your life so that you have margin to actually do so. Yeah, I would add to, I think, you know, the, the word that we're kind of like um, just kind of hitting around on the edges a little bit here and, and kind of circling uh, is relational that um, loving your neighbor, love, loving the community um, is really about building relationships and I am far less likely to serve someone I have no relationship with. I mean, just mm. there's just it, the difference is just exponentially greater. The, the the closer I am to you, the more likely I am to be sensitive to your needs and reaction, you know, react to your needs and and do what I can to meet them. Um, it, but but if, uh, the further and further away relationally you get, the the less it's out of sight, out of mind. It's it's you're you're more and more numb to um, your neighbor's needs. So I know for pastors um, and for those who are really active in ministry and serve in ministry, like whether it's volunteer in the church or or whatever in this area, when they serve a lot in um, corporate mission in the community. Um, it's easier to give yourself a pass on not knowing your neighbor next door or when you're really, really busy in ministry and you're really serious about discipling and, and you're, you know, you're spending all day in ministry. And I, so many pastors struggle with this. I mean, I, I know so many pastors who, who are, uh, to borrow Matt Chandler and I, I'm, I struggle with this myself, uh, to borrow Matt Chandler that they're, you know, they're a, uh, they're a lion in the pulpit and, a you know, a little, little cub, you know, in the neighborhood, like, and, uh, and so I think that it's easy for us to, to feel like, you know, if we're really engaged on the corporate level with loving our neighbor, we don't have to, we've kind of done our part. Um, Mm. and it's, and it's even harder to go out of your way to build those relationships with you, you know, your your next door neighbor. Um, and so I, I just think there's the relational component building relationships. That's the hard part. That's the part that takes time. The, the more healthy relationships you have around you, the more likely you are to serve your neighbor. That, that's just the bottom line. Amen. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really helpful. So obviously right now uh, we're in the midst of a pretty, uh, pretty chaotic set of circumstances where we're all being encouraged to be distant from everyone pretty much by demand of uh, the government as they try to get a handle on the spread of a, of a certain disease. Um, so apologies to all of our future listeners who maybe listen back through this catalog of episodes. Uh, but we want to speak to this kind of current moment that we're in specifically. So you guys tell me a little bit about uh, what, what are some of your thoughts on how we can uh, love our communities, how we can serve uh, intentionally, live intentionally for the good of our neighbors during a time like this. Uh, maybe what are some things 
that you've seen happen? What are some things that you've participated in? And what are some things that you're still aiming to do during this uh, unique time? Yeah, I think there's, um, it's such a complex issue and there's a lot of things to think through. So, you know, there's the, again, there's the two boxes. One, we're thinking as a church and how do we love the community as a church? And then we're thinking individually, just as, you know, members of this community, how do we love the community well? Um, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways, but a couple of things that pop into my mind immediately are, one, we want to um, represent what uh, the best citizen would represent. In other words, we want to, we want to honor the authority that's uh, in place um, mm. and, uh, and do whatever we can to, um, to, you know, kind of bring down the curve, uh, if you will, the, the lingo that's being used to keep people safe. Another thing I think that really is important for us as a church to love our community well is in the process of all that, we need to be people who are heralding the message that um, that though this is a scary time, we don't have to walk in fear as the people of God. Um, and so I, I think, you know, we have to, to balance um, responding to this in an appropriate way and then at the same time not, not stifle the message, right, that um, that God is victorious over this and is sovereign over this, and he is working good through it in the lives of his people and the church. And so, um, you know, I think loving our neighbor is, um, is, is both obeying the government and then heralding the message that we always have. But in times like this uh, rings, um, you know, so true to people that are hurting and needing hope. Um, so those are a couple of things right off the bat that I think of, you know, the time for the church, even though we can't assemble and meet, this is not a time when our voice is squelched. This is a time when our voice needs to be heard all the more. I agree. Now that's really well said. Um, I, I think that for us right now, we have to think, um, again, it's, it's kind of, there's, there's two sides to this. And, and me and my wife were talking about this last night. Um, we have to think, um, what can we do as a church? So what strategically um, can we do as a church uh, corporately, whether it be, you know, whether stuff that we talk about a staff, like what, what, what are ways we can meet needs? How can we serve? How can we uh, lead from the front on this? I think that's really, really important um, for every church leader to be setting a tone of, of service in this time, uh, I think is very, very important. Um, and I think the other part of this is when we say, what can we do? We also need to be thinking, what can we do individually? Um, and so, um, you know, my wife and I are, are wrestling with that right now. What, what can, what can we do is not just what can the church do? And I support the church. I'm a member of the church and hmm, what are we going to do? It's what can we do? What, what, what can I do today? Mm. Um, what, what is, you know, who, who's someone I can reach out to? Who, who, who is someone uh, I could call up, uh, you know, an elderly person I could call up and say, Hey, do you need anything? Can I run an errand for you? Whatever it might be. Um, or, or whatever, you know, we, we need to be thinking not just what is the church doing that I'm a part of, but mm. what is the church doing, um, that I am a part of, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like really seeing where you can be active. Cause I think one of the things that, um, 
that I'm seeing. I see churches doing a lot of stuff, which is fantastic. That's a great thing. Um, but, but what we really want to see now is not the church kind of doing ministry uh, as the church, um, but, but almost like what we want to do is see the church individually serving as the body of Christ uh, in their own communities, wherever they are. Um, and uh, not just doing ministry through mm-hmm. some mechanism that, you know, or some, some organized ministry or at the church or something staff's doing at the church, but, but actually being the church scattered right now in their communities, sacrificially serving. The, the, the phrase, and I don't know if I heard this somewhere or, or if it's just, I don't know, I'm paraphrasing something else, but, um, but the thing that I keep coming back to is, is wash your hands, but keep them open. Hmm. Wash your hands, but keep a moment. So be be responsible, be um, be thoughtful, be safe. Um, don't make things worse. At the same time, the the I'm not so much worried about too many people in the church uh, at large being that like struggling in that way. What I am worried about is the church out of fear, completely cutting itself off from communities it's in. As individuals, and just simply not doing anything during this time, basically just kind of watching Netflix and um, and uh, and shutting everything down, and 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 really just taking a hands-off approach to this, while people really are suffering. Um, and so that's I'm more concerned about the church falling in that ditch than the they're so aggressively serving everyone that they're getting sick ditch. I'm not so, I'm not so worried about that. I think mm-hmm. that that um, is possible. And some people should heed that warning not to do that and to be wise, but also we, we need to be servants. We really do. And, and we yeah. need to, to lead from the front. And I, and I really do think this is a, a unbelievable opportunity for the church to lead from the front. Like I, I really do. I think it's an important moment. I think if the church, if if the church of Jesus Christ around the world responds to this pandemic by shuttering its doors and cutting itself off completely from the world and losing itself in comfort and entertainment while the rest of the world suffers, um, it will be it, it will bring shame on the name of Christ around the world. I really believe that, and I think that is a danger. Um, and so, I, I would just say. Be be safe, be uh, be wise, um, but at the same time have faith and serve as Christ served. Um, and uh, I think if we do that, we will we will seize a missional opportunity the church has right now that the church may not get again in our lifetime. We may not have this opportunity again in our lifetime. Amen. Yeah, that's that's so true, man. I think. Uh, Something I've been trying to think through as well that that really right now um, a lot of churches are fearful that our that our regular rhythms of gathering are being disrupted and that means that the church is somehow being inactive. Um, but I don't think that has to be the case. In fact, I think this is probably one of the best set of circumstances for us to actually put into action a lot of the things we claim to believe, a lot of the things we claim to hold dear, the truth that we you know, believe in a sovereign God who's given us you know, gifts that are being, you know, are meant to be shared right now is the time that we get to live those truths out in, in perhaps a, a way more compelling and a way more personal way uh, than we would if we were just in regular rhythms. Uh, we, we get a, we get a really good chance to show off 
um, what God is is doing, who He is, by our trust in Him and our ability to serve those around us. And just in what you were just saying, Pastor Chad, I, I heard a lot of overlapping uh, things that we've talked a lot about in this series of uh, podcasts, where we've talked about our commitments that we try to be a church that focuses on uh, being a church that equips the saints to send out to empower disciples for for them to do ministry. I think that's a really helpful thought right now, that it's not the the organizational church's job to do ministry now. It is the church member's job to have been equipped and now go and serve with what they've, with that which they've been equipped. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's Go a good ahead, point. Chad, sorry. No, no, no. I, I was just gonna, I was just going to, to amen that. I think um, the way now as staff, this, this is the shift I've made in my mind. Um, I'm not so much thinking about doing ministry as an employee of the church. I'm thinking about being an example of how to serve your neighbor from a, as a leader. I, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about people watching, um, watching me. I'm thinking about. I'm asking people to actually respond to this with mm. more generosity than they had before. When when all the world seems to be crumbling around them, it's more. You're more likely to say, "Oh, I got to hoard this. I got to keep this. I got to get some toilet paper and sell it on eBay down the road." Maybe like fear <laughs> starts taking over and we get very protective of what we have because we get very fearful. Well, now's the time for Christian leaders uh, to actually be more open-handed, to be Mm. uh, more generous, uh, to be more faith-filled. And and, and so I feel like I'm thinking more about my role as a pastor, not so much as doing ministry for the sake of the church. I'm thinking about I want to personally do ministry as an example and as a leader in the church, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think we've had for a long time, you know, in, in this country, especially, um, I, I can't really speak from the experience of, you know, other countries in the church there, but at least in America, the, the assembled gathering um, is kind of, um, you know, the, our go-to, it's the Super Bowl, and, and rightfully so. The, ga- the gathering of God's people is, is so important, and it's where God pours out His grace in unique ways. Um, but I, I think in some ways, too, that has kind of become uh, something that it was never meant to be, um, you know, where uh, we, we gather and we have our needs met um, rather than gathering to have our needs met, yes, but then to go and serve. And I think one of the great things about this particular time is yes, maybe the assembled people right now, we're not able to do that, but it highlights the go and serve so well. And and we can really see um, that we're no less the church when we're in that aspect of going and serving, um, you know, and, and we're still the church. Uh, and it's just highlighted so well for us right now. There's a there's a world that's broken and hurting that needs the, the hands and the feet of Jesus. And, and, um, and here we are spread out amongst the community to do that. Um, so I think, you know, just like Pastor Chad said, I think we all feel, you know, as pastors who are away from the assembled gathering, this unique kind of new role now of of living that out in front of uh, the church, if you will, scattered so that they can see um, this is what it means to serve. This is what it means to love. Um, and so that's what we all need to be doing right now during this time, during this season is, you know, yes, longing for the day when we can assemble together again. But not thinking that, you know, 
this is like halftime show. No, the game is still going, right? And we're still actively involved in, um, in ministry right now, even though we can't assemble. Hmm. The people that we have an opportunity, we have an opportunity to reach people as the church right now that, that through Sunday gatherings, we don't have that same opportunity right now to reach. Mm -hmm. And the churches, I really believe this. I was having a conversation with another local pastor this morning about this very issue. The churches that do the best job of being the hands and feet of Christ and building relationships and earning trust through service during this shutdown will be the churches that reap an evangelistic harvest when everything's back to normal. The churches that that shutter the you know close the shutters and shut themselves off um, from meeting needs right now um, are the ones that are going to close their doors when they do go back. And I really, I think it's that serious. I, I actually came across um, a, a quote. Um, a lot of this is not the first time that the church has has wrestled with a, a, a you know, a global pandemic, um, or, or pandemics in general have been a feature of church history. You know, so we talked about that on the last podcast with Dr. Rob Carter. Um, but Martin Luther, when, when the bubonic plague hit Wittenberg um, in uh, the uh, 16th century, he, he actually wrote this as, as he's you know, buried a lot of uh, a lot of close friends and uh, a lot of uh, uh, parishioners and, and the like. He said uh, how he was handling the bubonic plague was this is how he was going to handle it. He said, uh, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. And then I shall fumigate, help purify air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus uh, purchase effect and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however... I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. Amen. Mm. That's fantastic. Uh, well, I think we um, we need to, as as this church, as our local church, Highview, but also in in the general far-reaching churches across our nation really need to be thinking uh, biblically, but also thinking outside the box. How? What are some unique ways that you can serve right now your your community? Maybe things that you, you know, never would have thought would be something would be at the top of your priority list. Put those things there uh, right now. Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of new things, a lot of things that we just haven't tried yet, but now by necessity, we need them. Um, and I think it's really improved us. It's sharpened us. You know, we're seeing several other pastors on social media say that this particular instance has caused them to be sharpened. And I pray that for all of us. I pray that for every church member uh, that we would all just be sharpened in this moment with this unique set of circumstances to uh, to reach our community better. Amen. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, you know what? There's something we haven't done in quite a while. Mm, I feel it coming. We haven't done a high view hot take. Yep. Cue the jingle. Yeah, I uh, we didn't prep this, so I want to throw this question at you guys and and trust that you'll answer honestly. 
What has been your favorite quarantine activity? What's, what's been getting you through the quarantine? <laughs> mm. Oh, what, what, what a question. What a question. Um, I mean, uh, I'm going to give a boring, it'll be a boring answer. It won't, I don't think it'll surprise you guys, but um, my reading life right now is, is definitely next level. I'm reading some fantastic stuff right now and I have time to do it. And uh, um, I've got a, I've got about, I'm normally reading, um, three or four books at a time. Um, I'm reading seven right now. Um, and, uh, just enjoying, man, I'm enjoying having some time for that. Um, I haven't fell into, I haven't, I haven't caught, nothing's caught my eye on Netflix. Um, nothing really binge worthy to me right now. Um, so, uh, yeah. And the news is pretty, is pretty rough. So, uh, the only thing I watch on TV is, uh, word party. I do mm. watch that and, mm. uh, Mickey mouse clubhouse. It's kind of like reading too. So, Oh, I, I was like, what is, what is that? <laughs> word party. But ben, Chad's been investing a lot in growing. So have I, um, my, my favorite thing is, is the, uh, the, the food we've been eating. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we've we've spent so much money at the grocery store. Usually we're, we're a family that eats out a pretty good bix. We're on the go. So all that stopped. So kind of my favorite thing with the quarantine is as soon as I finish one meal, deciding what the next one will be and kind of prepping. So Chad's doing that with books. I'm doing that with food. And uh, it, it's just enjoyable. This, this is what's next up on the menu. Cook some good home-cooked mm. food and, and grow. So it's all about growing. Mm. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, you know, I what wonder. You, what about you, man? You're not gonna get uh, well, it. Well, so to to Josh's to Josh's point, I, I'm wondering how many people went out week one and just you know raided their local grocery stores, stocked up on everything, and have already eaten it all because they've been at home in quarantine, eating snacks all day. Yeah, I will uh, say that there's way too much snacking going on in my house. I will say that it, 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 it's got a little bit of like the holidays feel, Mm -hmm. um, to it. Yeah. Um, where everybody's home and food's out and you kind of, you eat and then you kind of go back and snack a little bit and you know, that kind of thing. So this, this really doesn't need to last that long. (laughs) Um, that would uh, that that would not be that would not be good. Tyler, what have you been doing? You've been playing with cats. I know there's a lot of cats at your house. Goodness, man, I uh, <laughs> you know I've been really trying to avoid the cats boredom. Are annoyed, they're like, I wish you would just leave, go, go back to work. <laughs> That's probably true. They're like, this is my my like, domain. What, what are you what doing is at this, home? Why is this guy here all day now? Aren't yeah. you supposed to leave at this time? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, no, that's really true. Um, but no, I honestly this. This whole quarantine situation has really like caused me to just really uh, I'm about to go serious. You guys are silly. I'm about to be serious. Uh, Just really like actually communicate more with people than I usually do, like making FaceTime calls or calls to my my family, my friends. I mean, I sat up late last night talking to a group of guys from our our church and other friend group circles that I've got. We, We did a little. Uh, what's called house party app uh, that we used to talk to each other last night. And so that's been the best part of my, my quarantine, even though I'm distant from people, uh, I've still been able to like lean into those relationships a little bit or else I would go absolutely stir crazy. 
Um, but also with a little Netflix sprinkled in there for sure. Yeah. I've uh, probably need to put down the remote and pick up a book. <laughs> there's some there's some great books. There's some great books out there right now. Um, or maybe I'll watch a little word party or whatever that is. Lot, <laughs> a lot of good, a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah. Well, we hope that uh, you're all making good or better uses of your quarantine than we are. Uh, hopefully, part of that includes listening to this fine podcast. Uh, we hope that you're enjoying all the things that we're trying to put out as we are making our way through these difficult times, praying that we'll be able to encourage you through some of this. And uh, we just ask that you would be sharing this with your friends. Uh, leave us a rating and review if you can do that on the platform that you choose to listen to this on. And we will see you again next time.